Hey, what's up, Internet? I'm Dan Casey, and welcome to today's episode of Nerdist News Talks Back. It's our weekly over-the-top talk show about all things pop culture, and thank you so much for joining us. On today's show, James Bond has decided that 2020 is, in fact, no time to die. But what does that mean for movie theaters? Then we're taking the Quinjet to the Marvel Cinematic Universe to break down the latest and greatest on everything from WandaVision to Ms. Marvel to Doctor Strange to Occult Boogaloo and beyond. Last but not least, we'll try to answer all of your questions about Jamie Foxx's return to the role of Electro in the still-untitled Spider-Man 3. All of that, plus some Venom trivia on today's Nerdist News Talks Back. Now, folks, there is so much to get into, so to help me break it all down, let's meet today's panel. Joining us today, she hosts the Blurred Girl Live on Twitch, and she's the contributing editor for Sci-Fi Wire. Please welcome Kara Mahorn. Uh so happy to have you back. Very happy for you, for you, for you to be on today's show. It's going to be a fun one. <laughs> It is, and I'm, and I'm, this is, look, I don't have anything else to do, it's a pandemic. <laughs> yes, see? make the responsible choice and talk about pop culture with your friends and colleagues. <laughs> All right, next up, he's the host of Correctamundo on the El Rey Network, co-host of Nerdist Book Club and the 500 Greatest Films Podcast, it's Hector Navarro. Hello, Dan, good to be back. I'm so happy that you're back as well, Hector. And I also love your uh, ensemble of uh, nerdy delights behind you. This is my garage. This is my man cave. This is my safest place in the, my favorite place in the world. Um, because- No, you had, it, you had it right first, safest. You had it right safest, first time. Safest and yeah. <laughs> exactly. I love to retreat in here. So thank you for giving me an excuse to, I had to, I had to tell my girlfriend, everybody, I gotta be in the garage. I gotta go do a show. Yeah, I'm working in the garage. He must be building something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and last but not least, he's the senior editor of Nerdist and the co-host of the Five Years Rapid, Doctor Who, The Writer's Room, and the Memory Cheats podcast. It's Kyle Anderson. Hello, everyone. Hello, Dan. Hello. Welcome back, Kyle. Oh, thank you very much. I feel very welcome as always. <laughs> you should, you should. You're all, speak friend and enter. You're always welcome here. Um, but yeah, let's let's get this show on the road. We, we've all been on this show before. We know the drill. Let's get this show on the road with our weekly segment that I like to call, Should You Still Be Wearing a Mask in Public This Week? And let's see. Yeah, the answer is still absolutely yes, especially if you are anywhere near or around a major American institution or an attendant hospital. Definitely make sure that you mask up, stay safe, and take care of yourself. With that said, let's move along. So folks, today we got the, yes, see, uh, Hector already getting a jump on the trivia. That is correct. The answer is yes, that's one bonus point. Oh man. Uh, see, it's, look, the game is always afoot. So with the first look at The Witcher season two's absolutely awesome new armor and the announcement that Cobra Kai season three drops on Netflix in January, there are plenty of reasons to enjoy the great indoors in the months ahead. So my question to the panel is, what have you been streaming, watching, reading, playing, or doing to make the quarantine pass by? Karma, let's start with you. Um, I'm pretty much all in on Lovecraft Country. Like, if I'm not watching the show, I am researching the history that is all the Easter eggs in the show, or I'm on a, my podcast or somebody else's podcast talking about the show. Um, in my spare time, I, I relax by watching my boyfriend play Ghost of Tsushima and, mm. and write haiku and chill in the, in, the, in the tub. I'm like, this, this game is making me like rethink my life choices. Like every day when I work, I now relax and, and, I, and I think about what everything means to me. I'm like, I don't even do that and I don't have a hot tub. <laughs> I'm See, not at I like, war. 
<laughs> exactly. I, I like that at least uh, while spas are closed, we can find virtual self-care in the uh, fictional land of Tsushima. Um, but yeah, I feel you about Lovecraft Country. That show is just fantastic. And I thought I knew what was going to come down the pipeline because I, when I read the book, and uh, they, I believe they just finished it on uh, Nerdist Book Club as well. But it goes in so many different directions than the source material. And I love all the weird twists and turns and uh, just some creative choices they're taking with it. Yeah, um, but I'm a, my boyfriend's also a Lovecraft, but he's a Lovecraft fan and I'm a mm -hmm. fan of the writers of the show. So together we're like, that's a shock off. Okay, but what did the shock offs do to Emmett Till? Like it's like a whole. <laughs> <laughs> Pan over to like the Charlie Day conspiracy board from it's exactly. Always... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So we have right. uh, Amanda Nelson in the chat also saying Lovecraft Country as well as Ratchet over on Netflix, the prequel that I never expected to actually happen. But hey, how did she become a nurse? Now we know. <laughs> um, Kyle, I know that you are also a uh, dyed-in-the-wool Lovecraft fan, but what are you doing to pass the time during quarantine? Well, this quarantine has been all Ultraman all the time. Um, oh. Whether anyone cares to hear about it or not, I'm going to talk about Ultraman. <laughs> Yay! Hooray! <laughs> um, I have been just plowing through seasons of uh, Ultraman as they've come out on Blu-ray. And uh, in November, it's a ton of it, 1,100 episodes of it coming to streaming. So uh, perfect time to jump in anyone who hasn't. But like from the old 60s stuff to the, the more recent stuff, I've just been like... If, if it's because they're so positive that's really what it is it's like <laughs> super positive people fighting monsters and like being friends and it's just like that's exactly what i want right now <laughs> finally an episode count as daunting as one pieces uh for the uninitiated like, <laughs> true holy cow um yeah and i have to say uh you did a fantastic video recently about kind oh, of a history of ultraman and what people need to know to get into it so if you're feeling uninitiated, you want to learn more with that before you dive in on Tokushatsu, definitely check it out. It's up on the Nerdist channel right now. Um, but yeah, I uh, definitely, I, after watching that, I was like, I need some more Ultraman in my life. It's right so good. It, it truly is like, um, and the, because it was the, the, the guy who did all the effects for the Godzilla movies initially, and he was just like, let's do those same effects on TV. And it just continues to get better. And, they, and even today, they stick mostly with suit and model work as opposed to, you know, and they heighten it with CGI. It just, it's so, so awesome if you like that stuff. Yeah, A.G. Subaraya, like his work on uh, Godzilla and all the Toho films is essential. But I love that how you then expanded that to be like, but what if we made this a genre? Yeah, like it's the world needs uh, people transforming into giant alien uh, giants so they can do righteous battle with monsters, not just monsters fighting each other. It's super fun to see when they redress old Godzilla costumes as other monsters because it's very clear and it's it's like, <laughs> oh, so Godzilla's dressed up in a, for a party and then fought Ultraman. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, he, even Godzilla has to pay the bills. He can't be on screen all the time. He was on his way to Carnival and decided to punch Ultraman in the face. Who wouldn't? <laughs> that smug silver and red so-and-so. Um, we say we have Evan Burner in the chat saying, finally caught up with the boys and late to the party, but watching Shit's Creek right now. Another fantastic choice if you Super need some feel good in your life. Um, yeah, I feel like that's really taken the uh, sort of the taken the baton from like Parks and Rec and shows like that. I feel like the world always needs a good sort of bingeable ensemble comedy in that vein and definitely Schitt's Creek is up to the task. Uh, but Hector, what have you been doing to pass the time during quarantine? I, I, I worry that I'm about to become Andy Samberg from that Emmys 
opening song number where he was like <laughs> in every show and like goes into a bunker and you know to try to take advantage of of, of quarantine to catch up on everything but uh me and my roommates have been really enjoying lovecraft country we have to watch last night's episode tonight so we're not all the way caught up we have been doing the new fargo which is really interesting and we have also been because my roommates didn't see it watching haunting of hill house from two years ago in prep for the new Bly Manor, which we're really stoked about, which I'm really excited about. And I also, um, because I, uh, this is real fun. I have been showing my roommate because he's never seen it, Batman the Animated Series for the first time. We'll watch an episode a day. And then I'm showing him specific DC comics that are, that are kind of correlate to like, you know, like if we watch a Clayface episode, I'm like, here's the, here's a Clayface comic. Like that's what we're doing. And then I'm also watching a season of The Simpsons every month. And I've been doing it for five months. So October is season five. And I watch six episodes every Sunday night, and it's great. <laughs> Hashtag Simpsons Sundays, am I correct? Simpsons Sundays, that's right. <laughs> I oh, also yes. think your roommates should pay you to live there because you're like teaching. This is, this is, I'm saying they, you know, they At should the come. At the end of that. this, my roommate's going to be able to do this job. So I'm really surprised. <laughs> you're basically, <laughs> you're, you're training your assistant. You're training a new assistant. That's what's happening. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Look, there needs to be an order of succession just in case of emergency. So you're just training the next generation. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I do love, yeah, <laughs> Hector TNG. I would watch that show as well. Um, so I, I also love the idea of the annotated uh, Batman, the animated series. That is phenomenal. I love hearing yeah. that. We just we um, just did Mask of the Phantasm and that was oh, great to rewatch that. But like it's interesting because he he initially asked me he's talking about comic books and superheroes and he didn't read them like I did growing up. So he goes, Hector, what do you consider to be the best adaptation of each sort of universe? And I go, look, if I'm being real, I think that the MCU gets pretty much ninety percent of it right. So I think the MCU is a great entryway into that world. And as far as DC, there's a lot of ups and downs cinematically. There's some brilliant stuff. I love Wonder Woman. I love Superman the movie. I love Birds of Prey. And then there's a lot of stuff that I feel like is not really indicative of what the whole shebang is. So I told him, you got to go back. You got to go to the DC animated universe, Batman, B-Taz, all the way through Justice League Unlimited. I'm like, that's it right there. So since yeah. he had never really seen that, I said, we're going to start from the beginning. And he keeps asking me, about stuff and I'm like, just wait, you just wait until we get to Superman. <laughs> Nuts. Yeah, his by the time you get there, his brain is gonna be melting out of his ears in the best way possible. But that's I love that. That that makes me want to go back and like do that same sort of like deep dive into DC animated history. It could be a little rough, Dan. Some episodes he turns to me, he goes, So so are you serious? Batman just has to fight three guys in masks. And oh, I'm like, it's the worst yeah. episode. The yeah. worst yeah. episode. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is this he gets his ass the kicked. The terrible trio. Get masks. out of here. Yep. Yeah, it's rough. It's not <laughs> the best. But eventually they really sort of trim the fat and and you know it takes off. So in, in anime we call that a filler episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. huh? God, I'm I'm getting flashbacks to in high school like downloading the latest episode of Naruto each week and for like six months it was just filler and I would cry a single tear and then move on with my day. I would do the I same thing with Bleach. Yep. I used to yes. do the same oh, thing with so Bleach. Like, Bleach. Uh, like come I, on you know, guys. I, I was so excited when they came out with Dragon Ball Z Kai where they're like, we cut out the filler. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> Great. And it's 10 episodes. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just one uncut scream. 
Um, <laughs> as for myself, speaking of screaming, I have been watching, uh, we just blasted through all of Cobra Kai, which I was extremely late to the party on that. Started on YouTube. They just announced season three premiering in January on Netflix. It is awesome. Like, holy cow, is it good. So much better than I expected. Like, I, uh, my, my fiance watched all of it and then she was like, you have to watch this. I'm going to rewatch it with you. So we did. And it is so much better than it has any right to be for a like 20, 30 year delay sequel to the karate kid, a movie, which I apparently remember very little of. Cause when they cut back to the footage, I'm like, this happened You're in this movie. <laughs> uh, but if you're looking for a like very like tongue in cheek, feel good series, highly recommend Cobra Kai as for something more uh tactile i've been looking for something that is not screen based because so much mm. of what i do is just like okay i spend all day looking at the bad computer so now let me stop work and go look at the good computer for the rest of the night um so i made like uh henry cavill and returned to a hobby of my youth and i've started uh painting some warhammer 40k figures again Ooh. and it's been like super like therapeutic is you just like put on some music and just focus on that and it's like a very zen-like experience so if you're like whether you do that or gun to model building i've seen some folks on twitter getting back into that highly recommend having a hobby that'll make you kind of like look away from the cathode ray tubes yes yes yeah. right there I, i've been building a bunch of common rider models and they, that's the oh same my thing God, you just i was like... gonna say cave rider that's amazing <laughs> yeah and like... honestly i gotta i gotta talk to you kyle because i am actually thinking of building models exactly like the ones you were just holding. So yeah, I, <laughs> we shall chat. Cause I, I again, um, we're, we're, yes, absolutely. We're staring at too many of these things all day, all of the different screens. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, it's oppressive. And it's sometimes it's nice to just get really small and something and make sure a sticker is in the right spot. It's just, it's very, it's very Zen. Yeah. Now, speaking of Zen, we were going to talk about um, a, uh, a bit of unfortunate news in terms of movie theaters and how they are uh, in some dire straits right now with movies like Black Widow, No Time to Die, and now it seems apparently Dune as well, uh, leaving the 2020 calendar. But we may be a little short on time today, so we'll get back to that later if we have time. But in the meantime, let's get to the meat of the matter and go directly to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So while Marvel may be skipping cinemas entirely in 2020, there's plenty of news about the Disney Plus side of the equation. Because later this year, we're going to be getting WandaVision, which released a trippy trailer earlier this month or excuse me, last month now, I'm losing track of time. Thank you, Endgame. Um, we also got some casting news for She-Hulk and Ms. Marvel. So there's an awful lot to look forward to from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even while we are trapped at home, much like Scott Lang was in Ant-Man and the Wasp. So let's start with WandaVision. This has been one of my most anticipated new entries for the Marvel Cinematic Universe because I love these characters. The Vision has always been one of my favorite um, uh, Avengers, and especially after the uh, miniseries they did, uh, The Visions a few, uh, or maybe it was just The Vision uh, a few years ago, which is like this weird little kind of suburban sci-fi story. Um, I've been ex incredibly excited to see what they're going to do with this. So I'm curious for the panel, what was your reaction to this trailer? What do you think is going on here? Hector, let's start with you. I loved it. I have been so excited for the show since they announced it because I've always loved the potential that these two characters can bring to the Marvel world. And when it was just movie time, 
we would only get little glimpses and little pieces and little hints and little Easter eggs and little references to their relationship and to the greater picture. And we, would, we were never going to get a story where we could spend time with Wanda and Vision. We were never going to get a story where they had kids and then their kids were revealed to be magical manifestations. So Wanda's going to lose her mind. But then actually, no, they were real. And now they're part of the Young Avengers and all of that crazy stuff that comic books can do. It was never going to be that until Marvel Studios was like, but what if it is? And we did a bunch of TV shows to fill in the sort of gaps of storytelling that we may be missing between the years of movies that we're getting. And Dan, you said it, the Tom King written Vision miniseries is dark and it's awesome. And so many things about the story leading up to the event House of M is so interesting. And I love that Scarlet Witch is such a powerful character. And I really liked Elizabeth Olsen's portrayal thus far. I just am really fascinated to see how that story might change and be updated because frankly, it's also kind of a bummer that one of the most powerful female members of a superhero universe is like the one who's like, oh, she's gone crazy. She's lost her mind. She, you know, and that's always kind of been built into her character sort of, but this is a different Wanda. There's no Quicksilver. Like we haven't seen Magneto yet. You know, what kinds of things can they do to not necessarily redeem this character, but the same way that, Spider-Gwen is kind of a redemption arc for the character and the idea of Gwen Stacy having died in the 70s just to propel the male character storyline forward. I think you could do something like that with the MCU Wanda. You know, you could do something where she really, she may exhibit some of those kinds of reality manipulating abilities and yet she may have more agency is what I'm hoping for. So stoked on the trailer. It was trippy dippy and I loved pretty much everything that they gave us. Catherine Hahn. Wow, so good. <laughs> yes, yes. Catherine Hahn is someone who, whenever she comes on screen, I'm like, oh, hell yeah, you're in this as well. Great. Like, always just like very, it adds a certain uh, extra something to projects that she's in. Just have to um, say about Catherine Hahn, in a movie with Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, she steals Step Brothers. Like, Step Brothers is her movie. So that's how good Catherine Hahn is. <laughs> yeah, that is, oh, man. I wish she was playing that same character in uh, WandaVision, but who knows? Maybe she will play at least part of it. But I think we had a video go up about how uh, we think that she's playing Agatha Harkness, a very yeah. important character in Scarlet Witch lore. Um, but Carmel, what do you think about this trailer? What do you think is going to happen? Who do you think uh, Catherine Hahn actually is? What she's, What is she up to? No, I completely agree. I was going to actually say that. I think she's listed as Agnes, but that could be a, a alias for Agatha Harkness. Um, I Here's my thing. I know if Agatha's there, Mephisto is probably not far behind. But uh, as Hector said, this is probably a different Wanda because the Wanda in the MCU was made in a lab. She does not get her powers from Kathan. So yes, that's like, it could be anything. I do like the fact that we're introducing S.W.O.R.D. I do like the fact that I'm seeing um, Monica Rambeau. That is my Miss Marvel, fight me. I'm um, sorry, my <laughs> Captain Marvel, my Captain Marvel. Ms. Marvel is, we'll get to that. Um, my <laughs> Captain Marvel. And I just like the fact that we are seeing, okay, there is a bubble. I personally think that Agnes, Agatha, whoever it is, is controlling in some way, shape or form, uh, Wanda. Wanda is mourning the loss of vision. This is me, mourning loss of vision and has created in her head some type of safe haven. She has created a place that she can go that is safe from the universe. Honestly, if I had that power, I would, I would do that right now too. Mm -hmm. um, the, <laughs> but I love the fact that it's a bubble, a story within a story and that we're going to get 
her story and then we're also going to get shield and the other things that have and sword and other things that have been happening because sword is also usually in space why are they on land so there's a lot of things that i'm excited to see but it's 2020 and i have trust issues now so <laughs> i can't imagine what about 2020 would make you feel that way um but you mentioned Monica Rambeau, who I'm super excited to see in this, um, whether or not we get to see her suit up as Spectrum in this movie or manifest some sort of superpowers as well. But I've also seen some folks online, I believe it was um, the folks over at New Rockstars speculating that she may not actually be playing Monica Rambeau. She may actually be Mephisto. So what do you think about that? And if it's not her, do you think we've seen Mephisto already in the trailer somewhere? Well, what's really going to bake your noodle is it could be both because Mephisto can My do noodle. that. <laughs> Mephisto <laughs> can do that. <laughs> so um, I'm not gonna let go that is Monica because I need to hold on to something. Okay, man, give me something. Mm. Um, but I do, I I feel like in the trailer, help me out, Hector, didn't she go flying? Like, didn't we see when she yeah, landed she her like eyes? she rocketed out of there. Right, and then her eyes, she had the old white, what it looked like to me, old Spectrum suit on, and then she looked like she landed, her eyes lit up like Photon. Is that now? I have to go back and do my little frame by frame, but I could have sworn you saw like eight frames of photons' eyes light up. So I, I want to hold on to hope that's her. But like I said, 2020 keeps breaking my heart. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to something that is only going to break the hearts and bones of those who need it. I'm talking about <laughs> Tatiana Maslany as She Hulk. So I'm super excited about this series. Like, I honestly never thought we were going to get to see She-Hulk on the big or small screen, so I'm very happy to be proven uh, wrong and pleasantly surprised. Uh, Kyle, let's start with you on this. What do you hope to see from this series, and what do you think of this casting? I think the casting is outstanding. Like Tatiana Maslany is one of my favorite actors working today, and you know, if if you even watched one episode of Orphan Black, you know just the the, the range that she has. And she was uh, just on Perry Mason on HBO this last year or season two. Um, and she's excellent on that. So I'm I'm really stoked, and I like the I like the the committal to you know because I've seen people online be like, well, she's not big enough. Like there's CGI fools, like you know, like you you find somebody who is excellent and is going to be a really good um, version of the character, and then they they can figure out a way to do it. Like because Mark Ruffalo is not seven feet tall or twelve feet tall or ever tall the, the Hulk is. Like like they can do it, and so I'm really excited for that. And I really hope that they steer into the kind of uh, like she's a lawyer. So what if like, I want to see She-Hulk go and like actually try some cases. Like if this is an actual like legal thriller with some superhero elements, I think that would be really fun. And something that we haven't seen a lot or at all uh, anymore, even even the Netflix Marvel stuff that's sadly no longer uh, around. But like, uh, what if you got Daredevil episodes, but with She-Hulk instead? Like, I think that would be super fun and I'm really excited for it. Yeah, I think Chad agrees with you as well. We have Osborne in the chat saying Tatiana was awesome in Orphan Black. I'm hyped for She-Hulk. And I agree. I think this can add a kind of breath of fresh air into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and really make it feel like a cinematic universe because, you know, we've gotten a lot of different shades of that world. But with the movies, it's largely been different aspects of this larger overarching tale. It's all building towards a conclusion. This is obviously going to fit within that. But I'm curious, what do you think a show like She-Hulk can add to the tapestry and texture of this universe? Karma, let's start with you. I I think, and this is the same thing I thought when Guardians was first announced. I was like, okay, 
but we know what guardians is, but does everybody else? So, but then look how pleasantly surprised we were because of how good the writing was. So that's what I'm leaning into the fact that a lot of fans that are not comic book fans might not know that She-Hulk exists. You know, they might think, oh, this is new. They made a female Hulk, but that's not the case. She's been around for a very long time. Um, I'm excited because I, if, if there's good writing plus Tatiana, usually means an amazing and amazing result. So I'm leaning into that. And I also, I too want to see her as a lawyer in trying a case. In fact, Santa Claus, I want to see that. I want to see the, <laughs> the holiday one where she took on Santa yeah. Claus. Let's do it. You've got some awesome theories, Mephisto, Santa Claus. We're running the gamut here. There's so much. <laughs> Look, I've never seen the two of them in the same room together, Mephisto and Santa Claus. So <laughs> I think it's all going to be tied together. We're going to find out the truth uh, in the multiverse of madness. We'll get to that in a little bit though. Yeah. But Hector, I want to hear from you as well. Uh, what do you hope to see from the She-Hulk series? And also who do you think might be the big bad? Echoing what's been said, I think that uh, even Dan, what you mentioned earlier, where you're like, everybody needs a sort of Parks and Rec or Schitt's Creek, kind of an ensemble comedy. The, the director and writers of this show, writer of this, like the head writer, they're coming from the comedy world. They've done episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and, and all these types of different shows. And I feel like bringing that flavor to Jennifer Walters' She-Hulk is the best thing to do. She-Hulk is a comedic character as well as an Avenger. She-Hulk is more comedic than Bruce Banner Hulk. She-Hulk is, is uh, in a lot of ways, Deadpool before Deadpool was. She, had, she broke the fourth wall in her original comics and stuff. So like storytellers have always had so much fun with Jennifer as a character, whether she's a lawyer, whether she's She-Hulk, whether she's She-Hulk as a lawyer, you know, trying to be an Avenger, a member of the Fantastic Four. I think that it's going to bring a really fantastic character with a wonderful performance that people are going to fall in love with. And then when she inevitably shows up in an Avengers movie, audiences are going to be even more stoked. It's like, oh man, it's my favorite TV show character. She's in this, she's in the Avengers. Great. As far as the big bad, I'm still holding out hope that you're going to bring William Hurt and try to set up a Red Hulk. I'm still holding out hope that Ruffalo is going to make an appearance. I would still love for them to introduce Amadeus Cho. I would love for this show to sort of sneak around the annoying thing where Disney doesn't want to work with Universal to make a Hulk movie. So just put all the Hulks in this show. Just do that workaround. <laughs> You know, give me all of my Hulks, give me Rick Jones, give me everybody in this thing. And then we can see those characters sprinkled, it, sprinkled into various um, future MCU movies and stuff. So uh, the only other thing I would love to see though, before like Ruffalo retires is, I know we were mentioning this before we went live, like hold off on Wolverine in the MCU for a while, but you gotta give me a Hulk Wolverine fight. That's all, that's the way you introduce Logan. Scrappy little dude, when Ruffalo is going to do his last appearance, either either as a post-credit scene or like, some, you know, he has to go into the woods and Nick Fury sends Logan to go take him out. That's boom. End credits. And then, no, 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 no. We have to see him rip him in half first. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't worry. He got better. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, I think that was maybe the most cited uh, moment when they first announced that Logan was happening. They're like, what? How is he going to burst out of the Hulk? Like, when are we going to see that? Right, right. Uh, where's, so, where's, where's old blind Jeremy Renner? This isn't the same. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> see, I would have, I would have loved that. And then he, they get in the car for the cross country road trip, and he plays his own Jeremy Renner songs for some reason. Oh my it would god! Just be the perfect example of vertical <laughs> integration. I would love to see that. 
but let's go. Let's bring things back to what's actually going to happen, and that is a Ms. Marvel television series. So, last but not least, it was announced last week that newcomer Iman Vellani has landed the title role of Kamala Khan in the Ms. Marvel series. Now, it's been a great year for Kamala Khan fans because. Like, you got to play as her in the Avengers video game. Now she's going to be headlining her own Marvel series. So, like, it is a big come up for a character that is relatively new to the Marvel canon in the grand scheme of things. So I'm curious, what do you think about this casting news? What do you hope to see from this show? And why do you think this character resonates with so many people? Hector, let's start with you on this one. She resonates because, and there are so many amazing things written about this character from so many other amazing writers and people that have really dived into why this character is so meaningful. There's so much stuff to go find online that's great. She resonates to me, I feel like, because she echoes that Peter Parker feeling. She is Peter Parker for a new generation. In a lot of ways, so is Miles Morales. And I think something like Spider-Verse really gave Miles much more of like an identity and I feel like a uniqueness versus he's kind of echoing, you know, falling in the footsteps of Peter being this nerdy teen kid who's a superhero. But I think Kamala Khan has so much of that and she brings so much important and amazing and hilarious and and funny and real authenticity with her family background and with her her religion and with her, uh, you know, her culture and everything that is, even though I, uh, my parents are from an entirely different part of the world, I'm reading her comics and I'm like, this is so relatable to me because I'm the child, ch- I'm the child of immigrants and I can understand that those kinds of struggles and those kinds of challenges and stuff, all while being a huge fangirl or fanboy. She is a fantastic character for those reasons. She's not just a great push for diversity, which is very needed, but like the storytellers have backed it up with a fantastic character. So that's why Miss Marvel is absolutely awesome. I can't wait to see her. Yeah, and I think I think you also uh, hit the nail on the head with that comparison to Peter Parker. She is that kind of like audience surrogate character in a way because she starts out as this like superhero super fan, and then it answers the question of what would you do if you were suddenly given these amazing powers like your idols and like so many kids it, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe and like superheroes as a whole are like the dominant global popular culture right now. So you have all these people growing up thinking about that exact question and having a character, an actual young person. It's like why Tom Holland felt like such an exciting uh, breath of fresh air in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. An actual young person and their POV into this world, I think is going to be incredible, especially <laughs> bringing, like, yeah, yes. <laughs> so your answer is right there, yes. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly excited to see uh, what uh, Iman Vellani will add to uh, this character and what they will do with the Ms. Marvel television series but in the interest of time I want to keep things moving along real quick i want to move on to dr strange and the multiverse of madness very briefly um i think this is very interesting because it connects directly to wandavision as has been announced previously by kevin feige so clearly some uh reality bending nonsense and uh stuff is going to go awry in wandavision we also know the timelines have been uh all jumbled up thanks to endgame but I'm curious, what do you hope to see from this movie? Are there any specific multiverses you think would make a good fit for this movie? Um, Kyle, let's start with you. Well, I really liked the fact that, so we knew that Wanda, uh, yeah, Wanda was gonna be in Multiverse of Madness right away. They, they're, not, they're not hiding it. So the, and, and that it ties directly into WandaVision or WandaVision ties directly into the movie. So what I think is really great is that they are embracing the idea 
you know, we're really getting into the weeds on who Wanda is as a character. And like Hector was saying earlier, we didn't really get to know her or Vision that well in the films, um, which I think was kind of the one thing about those movies where I'm like, I wish I would, we'd, got, we'd had more time with them. But the fact that Wanda is going to carry over into the movie means that whatever happens in the show is such a big part of the universe that she's going to have to jump you know, medium again. And so that it gives me a lot of hope. And, and using Dr. Strange is kind of like, he can traverse these, these multiverses. Uh, I feel like it's going to be Dr. Strange is the, is the guide and Wanda is the, the kind of uh, the person benefiting from it. Or she might also be like, he has to like bring her back from the house of M dark side kind of thing, which would be kind of fun too. Um, as far as like what multiverses I'd like to see, not for very long, but just popping into the uh, Marvel Zombies universe would be a lot of fun. Um, just just to see stuff and maybe even throw like Undead Deadpool there because I know he's such a big part of that too. I think that would be a lot of fun just as like a, a gag, you know, because we saw in um, Guardians 2 that brief, you know, when they're jumping the different, you know, multiverses or, or you know, bits of quantum. I think that would be really fun. But um, yeah, there's so many great, and, and the What If series that's coming out too is a good way to like establish those other kind of like possible universes. So um, I hope they go really, you know, like balls to the wall on that stuff. Like I hope we spend some time in a ton of different ones. Yeah, and I think also, especially with someone like Sam Raimi uh, stepping in at the helm, I'm excited to see him flex his uh, weirdo uh, horror muscles on this Yeah, one. we were talking and Lovecraft earlier, but like, there's a lot of Lovecrafty bad guys in in the Doctor Strange world, so I think getting in on that would be a lot of fun too. Seeing, I want to see so many tentacles is what I'm at, what I'm saying right now. Just the casting oh. looks the casting for this has so much potential. Yeah, I feel like it, because truly, it's right there in the title. You can go literally anywhere with this movie, and I think a lot of folks out there are curious, especially with the announcements of. Uh, what DC is doing with Flashpoint and how they're bringing back actors like Michael Keaton as Batman. I think people are curious if we're going to see some familiar faces from other uh, Marvel movies prior to the MCU, like a Tobey Maguire or maybe even some of the uh, X-Men. Um, so I'm curious, uh, do you folks think that we, is there anything that you would like to see a familiar face uh, reemerge from the ether into this Marvel Cinematic Universe, even if for a one-off adventure? I actually want to see somebody new. Like I'm, I keep seeing these rumors of the casting announcements for America Chavez, and I want America in this. Like I saw several things that said they were looking for a teenage Hispanic girl to be a supporting lead. That sounds like America to me. Um, I also really, 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 really want Brother Voodoo. I he like his brother was in Doctor Strange. Like remember when Doctor Strange got tossed out the sanctum and then ended up in the sanctum in New York? Remember the black guy like for five seconds before he got killed by by Caecilius? That was Daniel Drum, and Daniel Drum is Jericho, Jericho Drum's brother. So, and his powers in the comics come from his connection to his very magical, very dead brother. So I feel like America and Brother Voodoo are the two people like, I'm super excited to see. If they do a multiverse and bring some other people back and, and around, I just think it would be hilarious if Brother Voodoo was gonna like fight about um, um, whose magic is better with Stephen Strange. I just think that would be a hilarious scene. Yeah, and I think his um, in his like natural arrogance, uh, Stephen Strange, he's someone who thrives off that kind of rivalry. Like, you know, you already have the comic foil with uh, Wong only laughing at his jokes because he's his boss and just like putting up with his nonsense. But giving him an actual rival, uh, someone who can uh, sling magic as good, if not better, I think that would make for an excellent dynamic in there, especially 
you know, after the events of Doctor Strange and presumably whatever happened in the inter in the intervening years, the world seems like it needs a couple more sorcerers uh, because uh, they're short. Yeah, <laughs> short a few. Uh, did a number on them. <laughs> So yeah. I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what's going to happen down the line there. Um, but let's move away from one multiverse to one maybe multiverse, maybe not, but certainly surprising announcement. And that is that last Thursday, the world lost its dang marbles when the Hollywood Reporter, Hollywood reported that Jamie Foxx would be reprising his role as Electro in the Tom Holland starring Spider-Man 3. Now you may be asking yourself, why would he do this? Is this the same version of the character from Amazing Spider-Man 2? Is Uncle Ben still dead? Well, we're here with great power and great responsibility to break it down in excruciating detail for all of you. So in a, he also had a deleted Instagram post, Jamie Foxx posted last week, artwork featuring three different Spider-Man or Spider-Mans or Spider-Man, depending on how you pluralize it, and revealed that this version won't be blue, but will be badass, um, which it's, I, I like that promise, but I'm curious, what do you make of this announcement and what do you make of that teaser? Now, Hector, I saw you getting excited there. Let's start with you. <laughs> Uh, there was also some internet reporting where somebody tracked down. I love this, by the way, because people forget Kevin Feige has also been working on these movies for 20 years, even if Marvel yeah. Studios didn't exist for 20 years. He was an associate producer on the first Spider-Man movies. And so I think that's part of the reason he has that kind of good relationship with Sony in the same way that there was a quote from Kevin Feige on the back of a Spider-Man comic that I have. I think a J. Michael Straczynski where like Peter Parker like he had a secret finally revealed to Aunt May, there's some pull quote from Kevin Feige again in like 2004 being like, hey, it, I'm working on the Spider-Man movies and I love this moment and it's my promise that we're going to try to put this up on screen at some point. Cut to, I don't know, five Spider-Man movies later, it didn't happen. But as soon as Homecoming did, Kevin Feige came through with that promise. Now people found some other quote where through the Sony email leaks, there was apparently an email from Kevin Feige to Sony after the Amazing Spider-Man 2 and like an early cut where he said something like, love Electro, think he's great. I don't know if we need the scene with him in his apartment with the birthday cake. It's kind of like, like wacky, kind of a little zany, maybe difficult to connect to the character. Something like that is what Kevin Feige said. I think that's a really good instinct and I agree with him. I, I love Jamie Foxx in this role, but I don't like the Max Dillon part of the role. I think it's very cartoony. I think it, you know, I don't, I don't think that stuff works, but as soon as he does become menacing and he's, you know, he's going like little spider, like doing his Jamie Foxx thing. I'm like, this is a cool electro. The thing is, I think that the Sony Spider-Man movies have a bunch of kind of swings and misses. I think one of the misses was to make electro sort of a main villain. Max Dillon is not that guy. He is not, he usually needs somebody like Adrian Toomes Vulture to kind of team up with, to get anything done. He's very powerful but Spider-Man always defeats him because he's just like a dumb criminal guy. Like he's not a smart, you know, world dominating type of a villain. He's just like a bank robber who's got awesome powers. So I trust, as I have been since 2008, Marvel Studios to kind of make this character and, and kind of have the right take on this character, if you will. And I honestly believe now after seeing that, that Jamie Foxx had a sort of a deleted Instagram post and Kevin Feige's own thoughts on it. And people are comparing this to J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah returning, but with a different hairstyle entirely. I don't think this is the same character. I don't think it's a multiverse thing. I don't think that we've gotten there with Spidey. I really think this is just Kevin Feige going, you know, let's give Jamie Foxx another shot. He did a great job. Let's, let's maybe kind of use almost an audience shortcut to bring back 
a character that maybe audiences were like, oh yeah, he was Electro, to then shortcut and bring in a Doc Ock, shortcut and bring in a Sandman, shortcut and, br and bring in and introduce Craven, and then you've got your Sinister Six um, with, with Mysterio, with, uh, with Vulture, and then, uh, uh, who was that everybody? That's Vulture, Mysterio, Electro, uh, uh, Sandman, Rhino? Raven. No, Raven. We need, um, who's the last one? Oh my gosh. Vulture. Wait, okay. I'm going to do Wait. all the Sinister Six. It's Doc Ock, Doc Ock, Electro, yep. Sandman, yep. Vulture, yep. Mysterio, Craven. You hit That's them. it. All six. All six. So we've already got some or some versions in previous movies. And I think that Doc Ock and Electro can be that shortcut audience shorthand. I'm not saying to bring back Melina, but I'm saying that Doc Ock being as sort of well-known as he is, I don't think they're going to give him a whole movie to explain again to audiences like, this is Dr. Otto Octavius or Olivia Octavius or whatever they want to do. I think they'll just be like, and there's Doc Ock and now Spidey's got to fight the six of them. Um, I, I'm just, I have full faith in the storytelling and I am stoked that Jamie did say, I'm not going to be blue this time because I'm like, okay, great, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> it's a little silly. Let's, let's keep you looking as good looking as you are. I can't wait to see what they end up doing. Yeah, I think they can hopefully find a uh, middle ground between the kind of like melted Dr. Manhattan action figure and the yes. kind of like <laughs> admittedly corny uh, Silver Age like uh, yellow and green costume with like the lightning bolt mask, which as much as I love it, I do think that the MCU's tried to make some savvy costume updates. Um, but yeah, I'm curious. I, I definitely think that you're onto something with the Sinister Six because Sony has wanted to do that for so long. They were developing a Sinister Six movie at one point. Now there's all these rumors about a Craven movie in the works. You know, you saw Adrian Toome show up in the Morbius trailer. There's, they're introducing Carnage and Venom too. Let there be Carnage. They're amping up the amount of Spider-Man rogues that are on the big screen. But do you think that, I know you say it's not going to be a sort of shared universe but do you think they could be building towards a live action spider-verse at some point because i will say as kevin feige mentioned a few years ago in a statement when they regot when they regained the rights to spider-man uh spider-man is one of the characters who has the ability to cross multiverses so you never know what's going to happen especially in one of those sony movies so um karma let's let's hear from you on this one what do you think is in the future both imminent and long-term for Spider-Man, like in Spider-Man 3, is this the same, like, is this going to have any connection to the Max Dillon we saw previously? Is this just a new take on it? Um, and do you it's, think they're building towards a shared universe? They, if it's, if, if Kevin Feige is involved, they're absolutely building towards a shared universe. I do not think that they should pick up much <laughs> from the previous Electro um, because I, everything Hector said, I completely agree with. They, they tried too hard to make, Electro something that he wasn't. And then that weird Dr. Manhattan thing that they did with him with all of a sudden, he's gonna see everything and feel everything. It was just very awkward. And one of the mistakes that Sony movies made was they always had one too many villains. It's like, wait, which one's the bad guy? I'm what, who am I looking at? I think Marvel is much better at setting that up. And it, they would, I think it would be ridiculous of them to not set up the Sinister Six. We've met half of them, you know? And I feel the same way even about like Young Avengers. All you got to do is add two or three more characters to Wanda and uh, um, and uh, Doctor Strange's movie and everything, and you have everybody else we've met in Infinity War, and you have a Young Avengers love action movie. So I think they're setting all these up, and as long as that Young Avengers comes out after Blade, I'll be fine with it. But, but they need to stop pushing Blade. Um, they, <laughs> <laughs> when they turn the planet back on, Blade needs to go into production. Yeah, um, but no, I, I honestly think that clearly Tom Holland is 
the right age for somebody to sign a contract for like 30 years. And he's all, and everything that they're building makes perfect sense. And honestly, I mean, I would love to see some of the old, I know uh, after you said you not necessarily Melina, but I think it would be hilarious to, to have like a aged, you know, doc Ock come back and go, yeah, you know what? Maybe I will try this again. <laughs> um, and I, I would love it. And then also in the comics, there were so many different versions. It was Sinister Six, Sinister Seven. Hector, wasn't there Sinister 12 at one point? You know it. Um, <laughs> and, then it and then at some point, like Doc Ock's brain got put into Peter Parker's. It was a lot of, so there's a lot of material. So they could, you know, extend this rogues gallery through several uh, Spidey uh, iterations. And they've also already proven that the, within the MCU, they can bring in smaller villains or just other villains and they don't like overshadow. Like Homecoming is a great example because Tombs is very clearly the main villain of that movie, but you also have Shocker, you also have Scorpion, and then you also have, you know, just kind of mentions here and there of other characters. And I think that that's like, um, uh, oh, wasn't the Tinkerer in there too or no? Am I wrong? Tinkerer, Chameleon. Yeah, he supplied yeah, uh, right. a lot of these, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So there was a Russian guy that was like, oh, that is that the chameleon? That's going to yep, be the same Chris name Parker? as chameleon. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're able to do that. They're making the spider verse or the Spider-Man world within the MCU big already. And just like, um, you know, and, um, and Jamie Foxx is a good actor. And I think seeing him again in this role, I think if they did it like visually the same way that they did it in the, the PS4 game a couple years ago, yes. where it's similar, kind of like, you know, veiny and everything like that, but they're not, he's not, you know, blue for no reason or anything like that. Um, look like uh, a, a particular otter pop that I liked when I was a kid is what he looked like. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but honestly, if they took a couple storylines from that game, Oh, for make sure. an amazing movie. I don't know how many times I've looked at that game going, God, like if you look at all the stories together, I'm yeah. like the cutscenes together. I'm like, this is this is the movie that we haven't had yet. Yeah. Um, and that's also where you meet a lot of the Sinister Six. Mm -hmm. Like I, I know Negative Man is not one of them, but just saying. But could be. I mean, like the, the Spider-Man has arguably the best rogues gallery possibly only second to Batman in all of comics. Correct. And so put as many of them in there as you want. Like the idea is Spider-Man is alone against a city full of bad guys, basically. And I like I like that idea. Like when the Avengers have giant world things to take care of, but give us like actual villains for Spider-Man to take care of in New York City. And the game is a great template for that. And I think that the movies are setting up that in a really nice way. And so, yeah, I don't think there's any reason why we couldn't have uh, Electro as just one of the Sinister Six in the next movie, all like, and you know, led by Craven, who's hunt, who's leading a hunt against Spider-Man. I think that would be the best movie uh, they could possibly make right now with what they have. Yes, I, I just, I just feel that right now the race is somehow between Marvel Studios and Sony to like, yeah. who can establish the Sinister Six team first? Because as soon as one of them does it, the other one can't. And I'm really hoping it's Marvel Studios and not, hey, we've got Jared Leto Morbius. And he's gonna fight Tom Hall, and you're already like, stop! I don't care about this this yeah. whole villain spinoff that Sony's really trying to do. It feels corporate greedy, versus mm -hmm. the MCU has felt as though they understand the the formula of individual movie sets up a character, individual movie sets up a character, individual team up movie. They've done that. That's their whole thing. So I'm hoping that Sony can just kind of let them do that with all of the top tier Spider-Man villains, and then Sony can do movies like Morbius and. Silver Sable and whatever other side stuff they want to do, and Eddie Brock Venom, Tom Hardy as much. They can do as many Tom Hardy Venoms as they want, but it's <laughs> have a, a Tom Holland crossover. The second they have Tom Holland show up in one of those movies, it's going to dilute it and go, oh, 
So is this part of the and okay, this is that's how you that's how you end up with extra extraneous quicksilvers. You, yeah. you can never have too many quicksilvers because they will always make sure that they all die off. <laughs> the universe is healing. Quicksilver is gone once more, and they will um, never find their dad. <laughs> no, never. You can't. You can't outrun trauma. Uh, that's the big lesson of quicksilver. Oh. Um, so one thing that I do think is eventually going to happen. It's probably not going to be Spider-Man three, but I do think they are going to cash in on this uh, multiversal doorway they've created because, you know, you can have, I agree that it would dilute um, sort of the magic of the MCU, but you can have that Tom Holland appear if you then later explain that this is part of a multiverse. And then you have, you pay that off by having one movie where you get to see all three of those Spider-Man actors together because I do think that is something that would just print money um, and hopefully they could do it justice once they lay it the groundwork. Something I would love to see Sony do is not the Sinister Six, but I'd love to see them do the Superior Foes of Spider-Man, which was a short-lived series that is, if you haven't read it, oh, it is wow. phenomenal. It's like basically all these like Spider-Man villains like teaming up together but they're not that great at their job it can be kind of like the suicide squad for the mm. spumsy or the sony pictures universe of marvel characters if you are someone who likes uh words said in their entirety uh. um but i will say i also saw something in the <laughs> chat that i really love from uh wendy and i apologize if i'm going to butcher your full username uh nigaban uh and they uh, they say toby mcguire as doc ock so I'm curious, what do you folks think about that bit of casting? Hector seems to say no. Oh. I, I don't, uh-uh, no. Mm -mm. <laughs> I, I can't, no. I can't the guy that said, punch me, I bleed, as some kind of a threat, uh, menacing character. I mean, I love Toby, but I think Toby is best at sort of the indie drama genre. You know what I mean? He has never mm -hmm. been a super charismatic Peter for me, a really funny, engaging Peter. And not that Dr. Octopus Otto Octavius has to do that, and I love the idea of paying tribute and homage to what came before. I think J.K. Simmons as Jonah is that. I think that that's the MCU acknowledging, look, we would not be where we are today without the Sam Raimi Spidey movies, without everything that came before us. And we can all agree the best thing about those movies was J.K. We're going to bring him back. Nobody else could play Jonah. Um, but I, I, would, I would rather see Toby play some other character, Marvel character in the MCU if we're going to bring him back for something. I, I've seen a lot of really interesting casting choices for Doc Ock. There's a lot of potential out there. Um, uh, I, I, frankly, the one I'm really looking forward to is Norman Osborn. I think he, he is the, a character who has the potential to be the next Loki or the next Thanos in terms of like, you know, especially before we get Dr. Doom in there. If those two guys are existing at the mm. same time, I think those two as big bads focus on that. And Doc Ock, you can even have a little bit more freedom to try some some different stuff. I think Spider-Verse gave us an amazing Doc Ock. I say, let's keep doing that. Let's have Olivia Octavius be an MCU character as well and have a great uh, actress play the role. I think that would be fantastic. Hector is all about that Catherine Hahn all the time, always. <laughs> <laughs> the, only, the only thing I definitely don't want Toby to come back and play is Uncle Ben. I don't want to see any more Uncle... Uncle Ben to me with Spider-Man is like Batman's Mother's Pearls. Stop yeah, it. I we don't, don't need it, it anymore. We get it. We this? know. Pitch for you. How about this? How about this? We don't see Uncle Ben's death at all, but there okay. can be an Uncle Ben flashback with Marissa Tomei and her, her husband, and Uncle Ben is played by Tom Hanks. How do we feel about it? I was going to say Toby Maguire. Wow. No. Back Uncle no. Ben. <laughs> just, but just to 
hear, scene hear me where out maybe, on this. you know, Marissa Tomei talks to Ben for a second, or maybe a, another actor who plays a young Peter can have a moment with Ben and he's this amazing, lovable guy who we see for two seconds. And then that's, you know, do, do we, see, we can feel an impact. Uh, but I agree. I don't want to ever see him get killed again. It was bad enough when we saw it again with Martin Sheen. Come on. Exactly. I yeah. like, and every time I see a young, you know, when you, when you go to the other side, every time I see a, a young Bruce, I'm like, no, just stay out of all alleys forever. Stop. <laughs> like, never go in there. <laughs> It's just one of those tropes that it takes up screen time that can be given to something else. Or if you're going to do it, do it in the title sequence. Just do something quick with some or news headlines. Make it a joke like in Teen Titans Go to the Movies. Yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> when they Absolutely. ran back in and handed her the pearls and ran back out. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was epic. I mean, yeah, I feel like... Uh, at this point now that we've had basically like 20 years plus of superhero movies, we're like, okay, you guys know whose parents are no longer with us, right? We're gonna skip that bit. Uh, you guys understand origin stories. We're gonna, yeah. we're gonna give you a gimme on that one. It ju it's uh, just a good way to know that the filmmakers don't know anything else about those characters. <laughs> so let's move we can on do Whatever that. a spider can, that seems ridiculous. Yeah, nobody knows who he is. That's the electric company. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Well, with that, we are done with the news for the day, but now it's time for some good old-fashioned Nerdist News trivia, and we here at Nerdist News Talks Back Institute for the Trivial Arts like to connect our trivia to the barest of threads. So given that today is the two-year anniversary of that modern cinematic classic, Venom, hitting theaters, remember those? Today wow. we're going to be challenging our panel to some Venom trivia. So knock, knock, and let the knowledge in. <laughs> All right, question number one, folks. True or false, in the scene in which Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock crawls into a lobster tank in the middle of a restaurant, did he or did he not take a bite out of a real live lobster? True or false, he chomped down on an actual lobster for that scene. All right, do we have our answers, folks? Let's see them. Okay, I, I well, let me just make sure I, I read the so true or false. He bit into a true. real live lobster. Mine's true. Okay, I'm sorry. So true? I, after I did it, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. The answer is false. Although he shot a scene, a version of the scene in a tank with live lobsters, the one he actually bites into was made of candy coating and oh. filled with marshmallow and chocolate goo. But Ooh. I have to say that that was the scene in the movie where I lost my goddamn mind. <laughs> I could not believe it. <laughs> it's just truly a uh, masterclass in uh, character building. I can confirm. Uh, I believe I was sitting right next to you during that screening. <laughs> yeah, it was just. Uh, I, I will. It's. I will remember that to my dying day. I'll whisper that to my future grandkids. <laughs> um, all right. Question number two. In the Spider-Man universe, there are more symbiotes out there than just Venom and Carnage. So, which of the following is not a real symbiote in the Marvel Comics universe? A. Phage. B, Riot, C, Gangrene, or D, Lasher? A, Phage, B, Riot, C, Gangrene, or D, Lasher? Which of the following is not an actual symbiote in the Marvel Comics universe? And while I'm filling for time, if you remember the awesome McFarlane Toys versions of these characters, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They rule. Just incredible sculpting. All right, let's see those answers, folks. 
don't know where you I am. You are all correct. Gangrene is I don't think not I spelled it right, but multicolored <laughs> symbiotes that, uh, or as uh, early trailers would have called them, symbiotes. But um, <laughs> let's just say they sowed their oats, Hector's and that's why there's so head. many of them. <laughs> Look, I, I may be laughing, but I own Venom on 3D Blu-ray that I imported from Germany. Well, of course time. you do. What are you going to skimp on 3D for that one? No way. It's a good time in 3D. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's uh, it is a. I feel like it's one of those cinematic experiences best shared with friends. Um, let's move on to question number three. That okay? True or false? Tom Hardy considers Venom to be the coolest Marvel hero because quote he has a brazen swagger and a zero foxtrot attitude. True or false? <laughs> Tom Hardy considers Venom to be the coolest Marvel hero because he has a brazen swagger and a zero foxtrot attitude. Hey, see, we got two of our three contestants with their answers. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> well, congratulations on the points. That is a real <laughs> sentence from an adult man, brazen swagger and zero foxtrot attitude. I have to imagine that's some sort of uh, British slang. Please, uh, any any of our friends across the pond uh, in the chat, let me know if this is true or if he's just on one. All right, <laughs> and the question number four. Wow, okay, I didn't. Okay, uh, <laughs> Venom. <clears throat> Venom is a thick space daddy with a hunger for flesh. What food curbs Venom's bloodlust? Is it A, cotton candy, B, chocolate, C, potato chips, or D, pizza? So Venom is a thick space daddy with a hunger for flesh, but what food curbs his bloodlust appetite? Is it cotton candy, A, B, chocolate, C, potato chips, or D, pizza? I know this reference. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, any of these would do it for me. Oh boy. Choose wisely. I don't know, man. All right, let's see those answers. <laughs> I said pizza. Calabummer, dude. The answer is chocolate. You are correct, Karma. <laughs> All right. It's, on. And that's so totally random how I know that. It was like one of those, like, you know, when you're looking up other stuff and you come across those trivial lists. It was one of those, like, really? <laughs> we well, have, we the have same confirmation from John Embury in the chat that says, zero foxtrot attitude is not a phrase I've heard. Also Sith Lord 1988 says, nope, never heard that one before. So a true <laughs> Tom Hardyism for true Tom Hardy fans. All right, question number five. What famous voice actor voiced Venom in the 1990s Spider-Man cartoon? Ooh. Was it A, Dan Castellaneta, B, Maurice LaMarche, C, Hank Azaria, or D, Mark Hamill? Which famous voice actor voiced Venom in the 1990s Spider-Man cartoon? A, Dan Castellaneta, B, Maurice LaMarche, C, Hank Azaria, or D, Mark Hamill? Honestly, I would listen to any of these uh, actors perform Venom because that sounds pretty rad. All right, let's see. Let's see those choices. Ben the answer is, in say. fact, C, Hank Azaria. Hell yeah. That one I definitely didn't know. I can hear it. It's Probably, almost like a... It's almost like a combination of um, of of Snake and uh, 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 like a little of uh, of the wise guy that Hank Azaria does on The Simpsons, where he's yeah. like, Peter Parker, I'm coming for you. I'm coming. I can't. I'm gonna eat your brains. It's kind of a little bit of that. <laughs> like, oh, oh, bummer. 
Yeah, I, I have to go back and reread the first Venom comics with that voice in mind because there are some incredible line readings and just like writing in that comic where like Venom is just devouring a goon in an alleyway and just turns to this woman who's getting robbed and is like, oh, sorry, we're Venom. Good to meet you. <laughs> All right, let's see here. Moving on. Question number six. So sound waves are incredibly harmful to Venom, but what is his other major weakness? Is it A, fire, B, cold, C, salt, or D, swimming pools? Sound waves are incredibly swimming harmful pools. to Venom. What is his other major weakness? Is it A, fire, B, extreme cold, C, salt, or D, swimming pools? Yeah, he's like a sim when you delete the ladder. He just is absolutely helpless. <laughs> All right, let's see those answers, folks. What do we got? Kyle, I'm sorry. The answer is A, fire. Well, everyone's weakness is fire. <laughs> well, you, you know what? You're not wrong. Tell that to Johnny Storm, <laughs> as played by Tobey Maguire. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, he would not be a good Johnny Storm. 47 year old human torch I'm a, I'm a cool teenager what do you want <laughs> oh my god all right moving on question number seven true or false venom was originally supposed to be a woman true or false edwina brock you know what All right, do we have do we have our answers? You are all correct. Venom creator David, uh, David Michelini originally pitched Venom's host human as a woman who blamed Spider-Man for her life falling apart rather than a man who blamed Spider-Man for his life falling apart. So could have had a very different Marvel Cinematic Universe and a very different Marvel Comics. Uh, moving right along to a symbiote of a different color. What is Carnage's human name? Is it A, Horatio Hornblower, B, Cletus Cassidy, C, Craig Cornwell, or D, Mason Maxwell? The worst part is that all of these feel plausible as comic book character names. <laughs> Just like uh, Blackagar Boltagon. <laughs> Which is, to quote Dan Casey, objectively dumb. <laughs> uh, yes, I, just, I, I want justice for the Inhumans, but I'll have to wait until the Ms. Marvel series for that. Um, all right, moving right along. Okay, question eight. Did we lock in our answers, folks? Yep. I just, yeah, I was going to say, I just guessed. <laughs> the answer is B, Cletus Cassidy. Sorry, Mason Maxwell is a, I will say, that is like ripe for a uh, villainous name right there. Like, that dude definitely is an evil businessman. <laughs> Ven Venom is actually not one of the, like I said, I'm still reading Venom because that was one of the big ones that I was into. Oh, yeah. I definitely, I definitely uh, missed out on the Venom craze when I was a kid. I went back and reread some stuff recently, some stuff. That but Hector, I, you reread everything. You're a walking encyclopedia. I, I know, but I reread some <laughs> Venom stuff that I thought was great. And I reread it and I was like, oh no, it's bad. <laughs> I was a child. <laughs> oh no. Um, yeah, it's the worst feeling when you go back to rewatch something or revisit something. Um, I got yelled at the last time I revealed the thing I revisited uh, that turned out to be not so good in hindsight, oh, no. but- uh, Oh no. 
I'll just say, well, no, I'll leave it a mystery for now. Let's move oh, on boy. to question number nine. The answer is Fern Gully. It was Fern Gully. It doesn't hold up. Aw. <laughs> um, but question number nine does hold up. Which of these Marvel characters has never been host to the Venom symbiote? Is it A, Flash Thompson, B, Mac Gargan, C, Scott Summers, or D, Carol Danvers? Which of these characters has never been a host for the Venom symbiote? A, Flash Thompson, B, Mac Gargan, C, Scott Summers, or D, Carol Danvers? The answer may surprise you. <laughs> All right. Let's see those answers, folks. You are all correct. Scott Summers <laughs> has never been Venom. He's been part of the Phoenix Force. He's been a, a real mean guy lately, but he's never been Venom. All right. And our final question, true or false? Tom Hardy acted opposite of basketball player Boban Marjanovic, who is the stand-in and voice for Venom true or false tom hardy acted opposite of basketball player boban marjanovic who is the stand-in and voice for venom all Ready. right let's see those final answers correct false is the answer tom hardy did it all himself chomped every lobster did every line, good every John, he is the man, the myth, the venom. Good every John. Um, I will say my favorite line, I just have to put this out there for posterity while our supercomputer tabulates the results, is that there's a scene at the end of the movie where they're sitting on a stoop um, and you have Eddie Brock sitting there with uh, Annie and she goes to him and turns and says, sorry about venom. And I, that's when I truly thought this movie went from like, not great to a masterpiece because <laughs> uh, were they apologizing for the movie I just watched while it was still happening? I could not, I could not believe it. I try to play that sound clip as much as possible. Anytime I talk about this character, it's, it's a, uh, it's a good time. But And having an Oscar yeah. winner say it really just like takes it to the next level. Yes. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> sorry. About um, but I'm not sorry to report that we do have a winner. And it is Hector. Congratulations, Hector. As well as should be. Absolutely. You are, <laughs> you are the symbiote host with That's the why. symbiote <laughs> most. Yes. It's the 3D Blu-ray that puts you over the edge. Uh, you know, our, our judges are German, so they were glad to hear you supported the local Blu-ray economy. Uh, they really appreciate it. Um, and now, Hector, because you are our winner, it's time for our 30-second soapbox. This is the time to get whatever's on your chest off your chest. Talk about anything you want as our newly crowned uh, symbiote king. Uh, you're up first. So what do you have for us? First off, don't listen to the president. He's an idiot. COVID is very dangerous. Wear a goddamn mask and challenge your loved ones who aren't and send them some science because uh, I want this to be over so I can go back to the movie theater. Please, please do your part. Stay at home if you can. Wear a mask. Secondly, I am sharing the show today with a bunch of amazing podcast hosts. I'll go ahead and plug my podcast. It's a lot of fun. The 500 Greatest Films podcast. We have been watching movies at home and we've been doing a bunch of bonus stuff. We're now going through the Shrek movies. So just check it out. If you like movie podcasts, I promise you it's a good time. Uh, that is uh, on Twitter at 500GF. Uh, 
podcast or 500 greatest film. I don't know, whatever. Just follow me and it's all, you go to me, it's on there. I'm at Hector is funny, whatever. Thank you. <laughs> I can confirm it is linked in your bio. It Great. is. <laughs> awesome. All right, Karma, you're up next. What do you have for us? Um, I will second Hector's motion. Yes, please, for the love of God, wear a mask uh, and vote and register to vote if you haven't if you haven't registered, please register. Check to see if you are still registered because you might not be. Um, so check on that and then vote for the love of God so that we can, <laughs> we can start changing things. It's not gonna be perfect right away, but we can start making a change. Um, next few places you'll see me, um, New York Comic Con this week virtually. Um, I'll be hosting the Marvel Serial Box panel on the new Black Panther audiobook coming out uh, called uh, Sins of the Father, starring William Jackson Harper. Uh, he's on that panel too, and we'll be playing a little clip of his voice as T'Challa and T'Chaka. It's fascinating. Um, <laughs> the new season of The Blur Girl Live returns to Twitch, uh, OSN NYC channel on the 20th of October, and my podcast is up bi-weekly. And on the 24th, you'll see me at Afro Comic Con. You'll start seeing some uh, ads for that very soon. So keep streaming, keep watching. You guys know I'm always live tweeting. Uh, Lovecraft Country on Sundays. And that is where you basically can find me most of the time. The Blur Girl, T-H-E-B-L-E-R-G-G-U-R-L on Twitter and Instagram. Fantastic. And I have to say, William Jackson Harper as T'Challa and T'Chaka is inspired. I am very excited to hear more about that. It is well. very interesting. Awesome, awesome. All right, last but not least, Kyle, what do you have for us? Well, um, in, a, in a change of pace, I'm going to say that um, I would like everyone to go out there and vote and register to vote, uh, so that we uh, the right now it's a it's a it's a race between a mean spirited bowl of urine and a pretty good book report to quote Eugene Merman. So <laughs> I really hope that you all go and vote, um, and also wear masks at all times when you're outside among anybody that you haven't been uh, spending time uh, quarantining with because uh, that's how the virus spreads. And uh, if you care at all about your fellow people, even your family, just wear a mask, please. Uh, to hear more of my thoughts, you can go to my Twitter, <laughs> Kyle D. Anderson. Um, but I also wanna uh, say, if you like uh, Halloween spooky type of uh, things, uh, nerdist.com all month has been uh, is gearing up for our Halloween season. We're gonna have a lot of things about the haunting of Bly Manor. We already have a lot of things about um, new horror movies that are coming out in the indie in the, the indie spheres. Since you know we can't go to the movies, we can at least uh, you know VOD movies, um, and so you got a lot of good reviews coming up for that. And uh, yeah, just a lot of uh, fun horror movie content coming up uh, for the next several weeks. While you stay at home, wear a mask, register to vote. Sound advice, one and all, and I believe I saw today, I think, is the deadline for something like 12 or 13 states to mm. register to vote. So definitely make sure that if you haven't already, make sure that you check that you are, in fact, registered. And there are other ways to get involved as well. Um, like my mother, for example, has been volunteering to call people who are um, who whose voter registration has lapsed and they may not know it to call them to phone bank and let them know that it is lapsed so that they can then register and make sure that they can exercise their right and participate in this grand experiment we call the United States of America. So, folks, thank you so much for joining us today on Nerdist News Talks Back. Thank you especially to everyone here on the panel and to all of you joining us at home. Make sure you check out today's episode of Nerdist Now as well, which is all about the possibility of a live action Spider-Verse, a nice piece of ancillary content for what we discussed here today. 
And that, with that said, we'll see you back here next Monday for a brand new episode of Nerdist News Talk Stack at 2 p.m. Pacific live on Nerdist YouTube channel and Geek and Sundry's Twitch. So until then, stay safe, be healthy, and have a great day. Bye-bye.